Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back by no one's demand, but our own. And from our home office, in the home studio, in the new house, in North Nashville, in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports, you guessed it, Nashville.com. Buck Rising, here with you on a Thursday. Uh, we we got kind of off schedule with this week's podcast. That's a bad job out of me, and I promise to be more consistent on the delivery to you. I know we've been getting you two podcasts a week, but it hasn't been Tuesday and Thursday as I had initially planned. Uh, Summer, uh, I I could give you all the excuses in the world. All I'm saying to you is that we will be better about Tuesdays and Thursdays moving forward. Meanwhile, what we have brought for you on this Thursday is Mike Golick Jr. Mike Golick, of course, ESPN Radio. He has a podcast with the Golick family. His dad, of course, uh, the bigger half of Mike and Mike for so many years, and now Golick and Wingo in the mornings. You can hear Mike Golick Jr. on the Mina Kimes podcast on Stupidity. He is all over ESPN, particularly with our good friend Jason Fitz. We need to get Fitzy on the pod soon. It's been a while. Anyway, we're going to talk to Mike about the Titans. We're going to talk to Mike about the Titans offensive line. We're going to look at the rest of the division in the AFC South because it is a division that's built primarily in the trenches, and Mike, of course, played offensive line for Notre Dame the year that they went to the college football uh, national title game and got drubbed by Alabama uh, and then went to the NFL for a, for a few years in the CFL after that, actually. But Mike is somebody who is intimately familiar with offensive line play. He is also somebody uh, who is an exceptional guest. Mike Golick Jr. is welcome back on this podcast anytime, um, as long as he promises to refrain from the Andrew Luck jokes as he did so graciously with Mina Kimes on the draft coverage when the Nash the NFL draft was here in Nashville and I was up on the stage with them. Regardless, without further ado, Mike Golick Jr. of ESPN. Back here on the 615 sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Very happy to be joined by Mike Golick Jr. You can hear him on ESPN Radio. Sorry in advance, the Golick Family Podcast, the Mina Kimes Podcast, Stupidity. You can follow him at Junior 57 on Twitter and Instagram. My friend, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, man. It's been a, been a little while since I saw you down on your turf in Nashville for the draft. I appreciate you having me. Well, listen, the uh, the Andrew Luck memes have just recently stopped uh, since you guys <laughs> visited for the draft. It's it's literally a living hell in my mentions, Mike, and I hate Mina Kimes for doing it. I really do. You know what? It's one of those things that I know she didn't want to do that to you, but when something like that comes up, it just leaks out of her, and, and we generally all tend to operate like that, so... We apologize for it, but at the same time, comedy dictates that it had to happen. No, 100%. It's uh, it's I, it's just funny because it's been happening since college, and she did it 
in a in a huge spot, and it's just been the bane of my existence ever since. But I, I won't hold it against her. It's only a small grudge that I have against Mina. <laughs> <laughs> only small, exactly. You got got time. Time heals all wounds. Maybe by the season we'll let it go. Indeed. Now, you've been on with me before when I was on radio, but this audience with the podcast is a little different, so we have to we have to demonstrate a bit of what makes you an expert football analyst. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Expand uh, for us on your platform that nudity with other men is good for team building. Oh, listen. I, I So, again, I come from a football background. I played my college football at Notre Dame. I bounced around to a couple of training camps in the NFL, but the one thing I learned along the way is that in any situation, we always hear, you know, when you want to build a team, you got to strip everything down to the studs and you got to build from that foundation. Well, what better way than to literally strip everything down? There are no secrets when you are all naked as one in a group shower. It teaches everyone to put your egos, check them at the door, get in there, get the job done in that case of cleaning your bodies. But there's just something about it. The whole situation is so relaxed. I, I, there are no group of people on earth I trust more than my teammates from my time at Notre Dame. And you can credit that to a lot of things, but I think it's just that trust of, hey, listen, we're butt naked around each other for seven days a week for about 50 weeks out of the year for five years. If that's not going to build trust and camaraderie, I don't know what will. Yeah, my my team sport experience stopped after high school, and, and it's – it's a weird thing to describe what the locker room is like and what the group showers are like other than to say, yeah, you, you just don't get it. Like it's, it's, I, I understand what you're saying. I had to do a little background, though, before the interview, and of course Jason Fitz is leaking all sorts of information. You should probably do something about that. Uh, yeah, no, I know he's, he's, got, he's got loose lips, loose lips sink ships, and Jason Fitz is definitely the one I have to watch and all that. But unfortunately, in this case, I, I can't like point to him and say that he's lied. <laughs> you, said that, uh, you said that phrase with extreme confidence, Mike. I'm scared of it just listening to you say it. Loose lips I- sinks ships. Yeah, exactly. But believe me, that's one of those words that I'm thankful this is, you know, a, a safe place I can say this because in front of the hot radio mic in the morning, I'm a little more tentative when it comes to tongue twisters. Like oh, that. listen, I, I, we're, we're having a field day down here in Nashville media, and I'm very happy to not be on radio uh, just so I can spend my time after this talking about how Mike Vrabel's going to chop his dick off to win a Super Bowl. Like that. Yeah, what the hell is going on? Oh, uh, it's it's so great, Mike. What what Taylor Lewan has done, and we'll t- we're going to talk about the Titans. We're going to talk about the the rest of the AFC. Uh, but bussing with the boys and and Mike Vrabel getting some headlines today is just is too good to avoid. They have this bus. Okay, Lewan has bought a bus. He wanted a podcast. So him and Will Compton, who's not in the league anymore, but he was on the Titans. He was a special team linebacker last year. They've been interviewing people in Nashville and putting out their own podcast called Bussin' with the Boys. And one of their producers uh, has offered to chop his dick off for the Titans to win a Super Bowl. And because of that, Taylor asked Mike Vrabel, Mike, would you chop your dick off to, to win a Super Bowl? And he said, yeah, I've been married for 20 years. I don't need it anymore. Let's go. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm looking at the quotes now because I'm going to be honest. I hadn't like researched this much yet. But the Vrabel, listen, Vrabel is a guy like you can tell the length of time someone's married always yields a different level of advice. <laughs> and at the 20 year mark is apparently where you get phrases like this. As a player, 
you guys will be married for 20 years one day. You won't need it. Like, what sage advice from two decades of marriage? Good Lord, that's terrifying. Mike, I'm telling you, I was like, I was dying laughing listening to, because, you know, they have the they have the players on, so we listen to the podcast just to, like, see what they're talking about. Uh, and And I'm listening to Mike on there, and I'm made so sad, but also laughing hysterically at the fact that Mike Vrabel would be totally comfortable parting with his manhood because he's already got three Super Bowls, but the one as the coach is going to count a lot more. Exactly. You know what? I, 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 as a fan, as someone around this team, what more could you ask for than a coach that's willing to go to those lengths? I mean, I hear that, and I am fired up for training camp, and I don't even play for the guy. Well, listen, I mean, I don't know I don't know how his players feel about it because Vrabel will put on the chest pad and go out there and work them out individually because he's bigger than most of them. <laughs> he's going to show up with a meat cleaver at training camp and ask who's really committed. <laughs> how bad do you want it, boys? Mike Golick <laughs> Jr. with us on the 615 sessions. All right, so in, in, in all seriousness, though, speaking of teams, building uh i want to spend some time on the titans and particularly on their offensive line because they i don't know if they i don't know if you would call it really blowing it up but they scrapped both their starting guards who have been here the past three years they've had the same five starters and they made a, a really i would say massive upgrade putting roger saffold next to taylor lewan to play at left guard drafting uh the rookie nate davis in the third round to back up Kevin Pomfield, who's starting right now. They have Dennis Kelly, who was better than Jack Conklin last year. But like, just just on its surface, with that in mind, what do you make of this tight Tennessee offensive line, Mike? Hey, listen, it, it's a very solid group now. This is also a group that for a long time, and I'm always fascinated by offensive lines, how they adjust when coaching gets changed. And obviously, coaching changes for this whole Titans offense have been sort of par for the course, I think. We're on five coordinators in five years for Marcus Mariota, so that's special. Yep. But for this offensive line, when you had a guy like Russ Grimm that was around there during that time period, there are very few teachers and people that operate at the highest level in the NFL, and, and he's one of those guys. And so when you remove that, it, it's very interesting the way the dynamic changes, and you have great parts there. Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin are, are two of the better young tackles in the league. Ben Jones is a guy who's been around and is a good veteran player at this point. You mentioned Roger Saffold, as good as it gets right now. But coaching is one of those weird things. Thankfully, this group and one of the benefits that it does have and one that I think carries over into this year when you finally do have some parts is they've been a group where continuity hasn't been the issue. You've got a lot of reps amongst these groups. And so maybe getting that new shot of life in a group that started to, I don't know, underperform a bit relative to expectation – uh, after all those years together, maybe that shot of life does them a little bit of good. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, and, and I think you're right, because they benched they benched Quentin Spain last year. They moved Ben Jones over to guard, and they put Corey Levin in, and it made the offensive line play better. Like, Marcus was getting the hell beat out of him uh, the first part of the year, and, you know, Marcus Marcus holds the ball a good deal as well, but still, there were there was something that needed to be done. But, like, the, the biggest thing that I can pinpoint, Mike, is the athleticism inside seems to be the biggest area of improvement because like nothing against Josh Klein and Quentin Spain but like I saw him in the locker room every day like those guys I don't know I don't know if Josh Klein had an ounce of muscle on him like he was just in the way of people and I look at I look at Roger Saffold and the dude is 330 pounds six foot six I think and built like a superhero like I've, I've never seen anybody like Roger Saffold but like what what does that improved athleticism at guard help them 
with if they decide with if they decide that they're going to stick with these outside zone based concepts on offense that they appear to want to uh, with Arthur Smith going uh, as as Matt Lafleur's successor here. Yeah, well, I, I mean. As a former undersized offensive lineman, outside zone schemes were always your friend because you prioritize athleticism and you really can do something to kind of mitigate what you're going to see as far as size, especially on the interior of D-lines. And it's not like in the AFC South, you're really hurting for dynamic interior linemen and D-lines in general. So that sort of ability to get out, to run and cut, to get guys moving is huge and to have the bodies that can do that because... I don't know, again, it's because it's something I ran so much of during my time in college, but I feel like outside zone is a great equalizer when you're dealing with, in this case, let's call it what it is, you know, overmatched against some of the D lines. I mean, Jacksonville's D line is a better unit than Tennessee's offensive line. You could probably even say that about Houston's defensive line, even though a lot of those guys are getting a little long in the tooth at this point. And so when you well, got the Colts gave them hell too, Mike. I mean, the Colts, the Colts knocked Mariota out of yet another game in the first time that they played at Lucas Oil. Like it's it's a thing with the entire division. Yeah, and so I guess when you've got that within the division, like in in my mind, especially with some of the bigger bodies, like the ability to get guys running, get guys moving, wear them out over the course of the game. I know the the whole benefit of establishing the run and the the volume of carries has become a big debate on football analytics Twitter, but at some fundamental level as an offensive lineman, I believe that, all right, if this is what I'm accustomed to running, if I'm more of an athletic guy, this is going to give me a better chance than, listen, I mean, we lived through the, you guys lived through the exotic smash mouth era in Tennessee for long enough. Hell yeah, we did. Slam big bodies into the middle of a formation. Like that's a tall order for anyone. And you've got to have a pretty specific unit that's able to pull that off. And, and I, I don't know. I just think outside zone presents something that's a unique opportunity especially when you've got a one-cut hammer back in Derrick Henry. Yeah, and it, with a with a big year to need to prove something uh, as he enters uh, a contract year on his fourth and final year of that rookie deal. Uh, let, let's, let's look at the rest of the division quickly. Uh, Houston Texans, what the hell? Yeah, man. Like, what it's the hell is things- this, Mike? I, 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 I feel like we do this every year where we look up and wonder what Bill O'Brien's actually doing in a year where, listen, I think this is the first time that Houston's ever drafted an offensive lineman in the first and the second round. And of course, they come away with two guys that I look at and go, well, yeah, those are kind of projects and you're going to need coaching to develop these guys that you spent finally draft capital on. And I don't really necessarily think you've demonstrated any ability to go out there and develop offensive line talent. The one guy that's performed for you is Nick Martin, who came in as a more polished product. The rest of those guys got you a quarterback that had to take a bus to a game because flying would have hurt his you know, injured lungs at that point. And so when you've got the rest of an offense that's going to get Will Fuller back, that's going to have deep threats like that to pair with DeAndre Hopkins, I just feel like you had one real need this offseason, and I question the way that you went about trying to fill it. Well, and of course, the solution is to fire the the general manager who's been on the job for less than a year. Try to pursue one who has it in his contract that he cannot speak with other teams that you should have known about. And then just finally decide, no, you know what? Hell with it. We're going to go without a GM this year. Yeah. I mean, so all of it lands us squarely at the foot of finally, it seems like this this has to be a hot seat year for Bill O'Brien. Oh, right? my like God. Even, but it's been and, a hot seat year for Bill O'Brien for like 10 years. I, like I, every year, it feels like. And I mean, we're talking about a team that, you know, made the playoffs again last year. Like, again, like you've got a quarterback that's just like great enough 
uh, that, you know, he's kind of going to bail out coaching at this point. And we got to the point, it was so interesting, obviously, that first season where, you know, you didn't have him starting right away necessarily. And then he comes in and I'm like, all right, I'm finally seeing Bill O'Brien, this, you know, supposed quarterback whisperer actually do some things to maximize his quarterback skill set, even as he runs for his life, because we know the offensive line is bad. But ever since then, it just seems like it's been pulling teeth to try and get Bill O'Brien to actually do the things that he's billed to supposedly do at the quarterback position with Deshaun Watson, who is talented enough and who has displayed enough to say, if used right, is probably going to be a pretty damn good quarterback. Uh, are there any holes I'm missing with Indianapolis? Like, are they are they really back and just ready to club everybody else in the division for another ten years? I mean, offensively, yes. I, I think they only got better. You added a couple. Of, you know, you added a nice wide receiver piece in the draft with a kid out of Ohio State. I mean, everything else on offense is kind of ready to go because the whole thing's predicated on you're finally just not getting your quarterback killed. I mean, you're not getting your MVP caliber quarterback keeping him upright and he's doing all the things that we expected him to do even coming back from a very like Kawhi Leonard-esque injury like there was a similar level of mystery surrounding Andrew Luck's shoulder for a long time the one concern I do have and I know you brought up the defense and its ability you know the, knocking out Marcus Mariota overperforming a bit next uh, last year Darius Leonard comes in and lights the world on fire but we know defensive production is a hard thing to hold year over year and for a group that didn't really go out and use all of that money that we talked about them having this offseason to add something. I mean, you know, Justin Houston comes over and you get him, you know, on a pretty good deal, which is great, but he's a guy that whose best days are behind him. I thought they were going to add some dynamic pass rusher to that group. One guy, because as an offensive line and as an offense in general, you plan for game breakers. Like you spend your team and offensive coordinators spend your week preparing for the one guy that can break it open. And yeah, Darius Leonard's that guy, but you don't really have one of those in the front four. And for a team that wants to play as vanilla coverage for the most part behind them is that. And usually those groups are like Jacksonville where you can rush four and not worry about those guys having issue. I don't know if the Colts have one of those right now. And that's probably, that's the only thing resembling a concern I really have for them. Yeah, I'm curious because it, it feels like, like as you mentioned, that defense is difficult to translate from year to year. Offensive line seems a little bit like that. I think just because of the physical toll that it takes on the bodies, I'm sure defense is the same way. But it'll be interesting to see how Indianapolis pans out and my doppelganger, Andrew Luck, who owns the Titans' ass, an 11-0 record, uh, over that franchise since coming into the NFL, which is still mind-boggling to me. All things being equal, though, Mike, do you have more confidence in Jacksonville or Tennessee? Uh, I have more confidence in Jacksonville. I I, I just with Tennessee, I, I, I want to believe in Marcus Mariota, and he seems like an unbelievable kid. And as a college, guy who covers college football pretty closely, I remember what he was at Oregon. But, man, there is just something. It feels a lot like, honestly, what his backup went through. Like watching Ryan Tannehill's tenure in Miami always felt unfair to me because I never really felt like we knew what that kid was there. And now it's a great backup situation for Tennessee. But with Marcus Mariota, we've seen good, consistent stretches, maybe especially early in his career where the him and Jameis comparison was super hot in the street. But it always seems to be something with him. And I think really Tennessee, I know they're in kind of a decision mode with him. Your worst nightmare is if he goes out there and has a perfectly good season and stays completely healthy and makes the decision like kind of ambiguous. Like if it's not one way or another, the way it would have been any of the last couple seasons. So I think just because of that, like 
you know, Nick Foles is back with Filippo, so there's a pairing with some familiarity there. We've all spent the last two years basically saying that Jacksonville's a quarterback away, and I get we said that about Minnesota too, and we saw what kind of became of last year, but I just think Jacksonville's defense wasn't as bad as people tried to make it out to be last year. You know, the drop-off wasn't as precipitous. I think their offensive line's going to get a little healthier, and that offense will be a little more balanced than Tom Coughlin just wanting to hit a brick wall with a hammer all day and, you know, try and kill Leonard Fournette in the process. And and I think Jacksonville's due for a bounce back year. I think that's a playoff team. He is Mike Golick Jr. You can hear him on ESPN Radio. Of course, the Golick Family Podcast. Sorry in advance. He's often on the Mina Kimes Podcast and carrying Stugatz on Stupidity from time to time. M. Golick Jr. 57 on Twitter and Instagram. He's an exceptional follow there just as he is an exceptional podcast guest mike thanks for doing this man hey appreciate you having me buck i'm again sorry for all the andrew luck memes i promise to not contribute a ton once we hit football season well as long as it's not just a ton like i can deal with a little bit as long as it's just not a ton but i'm ready for him i'm ready to go down fighting in these twitter sewers mike i live for it (laughs) thanks for having me man see you mike that is going to do it for this week's editions of the 615 Sessions podcast. Shout out to Mike Golick Jr. of ESPN for stopping by this Thursday. Really enjoyed Mike. Uh, Look forward to speaking with Mike further in the future uh, and look forward to the guests that we will continue to have coming up on the 615 Sessions. Uh, Tuesday, we plan to have Laura Oakman of Fox Sports, the NFL on Fox. You know her, of course, from her sideline coverage on Fox's coverage of the NFL. Uh, She does a really cool program. Uh, She lives in Nashville, and she does a really cool cool program called Galvanize, where she uh, makes, creates better opportunities for women to get into sports reporting. It's a hard business, but we'll talk to Laura. We'll we'll do a little more NFL talk with her, and we'll talk a little bit about Galvanize and what she's out here doing for the females in the sports industry and making us more uh, more diverse because there's a lot of overweight white guys sitting here in front of microphones. Uh, I just happen to be an overweight Arab, so I, I can hide behind that. But we look forward to Laura Oakman next week. We have many guests. We have many great guests on this podcast. Titans GM John Robinson has been a guest. Corey Davis, the Titans wide receiver, has been a guest. Rashawn Evans, a lot of Titans uh, heavy podcast, Tuesday's podcast, by the way, with Jonathan Crompton, former Vols quarterback, where we broke down what Jim Chaney's new offense will do for Jarrett Garantano this year for the Vols. That was a great podcast. I really enjoyed Jonathan, uh, just as I enjoy all our guests. So meanwhile, if you enjoyed these interviews, if you enjoy our interviews, make sure that you're subscribed so that you can get all of our interviews in the archives and listen to them as you please. Thanks, of course, to you guys who do the rating, the reviewing, and subscribing. Thanks to Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports, in the morning, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. weekdays, streaming on Facebook Live and Periscope, Nashville's on-demand sports talk show. Uh, They make this thing possible. We are grateful to them for it, and we are grateful to you guys as well. So that being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. Enjoy your weekend, just as I will. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday here on the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Nashville.com.